Father, this morning we just come to you. We thank you, Father, once again for the gift of life. The gift of life. And for those who are saved, the gift of eternal life. We thank you for your provision. That in spite of everything, Lord, you still enabled us to continue ministering your word, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You enabled us. You made a way, gave a place that the word would always go forth unhindered. That no man would be able to say that it was because of God. If it stopped, it was because of us. You always made it possible. Once again, bring the grieving families before thee. O Lord of all comfort. O Lord, that you would touch them. And those who are sitting outside, unable even to go in to the COVID wards and see their loved ones, not even knowing what is their state. Oh, Father, any other disease, you can even enter into the ICU. But this one disease, I pray, Father, that you would reach out, touch and heal. Heal. That all the diabolical plans of the enemy will come to naught. And there are wicked and evil men using this time to destroy their enemies. And I pray all those plans will fall to the ground. That you will uphold the innocent, the weak, the ignorant with your right hand, Lord. Uphold them. If you showed mercy to Nineveh, you haven't changed. It was a wicked nation. But you said there are 120,000 in that city who do not know their right hand from the left. And we have over a billion people in India who do not know their right hand from their left. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Touch, Lord, touch. Have mercy on our nation. Have mercy. As we go to the ministry of the word, I pray everyone, Lord, everywhere, wherever they are, will put aside everything else. And so that we would magnify your word as you have magnified your word above all things. We would give that place, that position to your word. For you said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I pray, Lord, you would use me to speak. That I would just be a vessel, Lord. The word would be yours. Whatever it is of me, doesn't agree with your word or your spirit. Let it just fall away. Whatever is of you, I pray it will resonate in the ears and the minds of your people and bring forth life. To that end, I come at this time. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. The text for today is uh, from Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. 
Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to Jordan. And he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark, the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Wandering is over. Forty years, wandering is over. A life wasted. If you want to look at how you can waste your life, study the first generation. How you can eat all you want and do nothing. Another generation has reached and they are at the banks of Jordan. Three days. Three days. Camped at the banks of Jordan. They are still three days. Always understand three days. It's a three day stop. Everybody has come, crossed, crossed over they have not crossed the river, but they have entered. And on this side of the river, on the banks of River Jordan, I don't know how many million people they are staying there. God has put a pause, a three-day pause, by the banks of River Jordan. The first generation was called. The second generation was chosen. The first generation crossed, and probably many among the second generation crossed the Red Sea. But the first generation could not cross River Jordan. The second generation is waiting to cross. Red Sea and River Jordan are not the same. It's not the same experience, spiritually. The crossing of the Red Sea was forced upon Israel. They had no choice, because they were, their enemies were pursuing them. Crossing River Jordan is out of our own choice. We have to be willing to cross it. There are a set of people who chose to stay on this side. They were not interested in going to the other side and dwelling. Okay. I know we preached this before, but we need to go back, especially knowing that we are in those days. Okay. I mean, if you look at the signs, nobody can read it perfectly, but if you look at the signs... We are, God is winding up the clock. Okay, winding up the clock. It's like moving faster. And he says he will shorten those days. Otherwise even the very elect would not be saved. Okay, he's shortening things. So we need to be very, very careful and we should have the discernment to know the days we are living in. That's why we should not be asleep spiritually asleep. It is not physical sleep that is dangerous. It is spiritual sleep is dangerous. Physically, all ten virgins were asleep. But spiritually, five were. And that cost them. They cost them. Spiritual lethargy, spiritual sleep can cost us irreparable damage in eternity. So we need to be aware. So that's why I believe the Lord gave me this portion. Jordan is the river of death. It's the river of death. 
In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, Paul says, That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Here is a man who is talking about, I want to know the resurrection life. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to live that life. But remember, that life is only on that side of Jordan. That life is not available on the wrong side of Jordan. Okay? That life is not, we leave the world. We leave Egypt. We cross Red Sea. We are in the wilderness, but in none of these places is resurrection life available. Resurrection life is available only on the right side of Jordan. And for that, if you want the resurrection life, before resurrection life comes death. If there is no death, there is no resurrection. Resurrection is for people who are dead. Resurrection is not for people who are alive. Those who live on this side of Jordan are alive. Those who cross over die. And they experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So remember, these are all symbols to teach us important spiritual lessons. Many, many saints, because the Bible calls them saints, have died. 2,000 years. And they are with the Lord. Yet, many among them never experienced experience the power of resurrection while they were living. Okay? Please understand that statement. They have died. They have gone, fallen asleep in Christ. They are with the Lord, in whichever way we, we can only presume. There is no theology that we can be very sure 100%. Okay? But, let me tell you, many of them did not experience the power of the resurrection while living. Okay? Meaning there is a real theological possibility that you can be resurrected without experiencing the power of resurrection. The power of resurrection is for now. Because at the final trumpet, everybody will be resurrected. But the power of resurrection is for now. So you can be resurrected without experiencing the power of resurrection. That's why God is giving them a three-day pause. A three-day wait at the banks of a flooded river. So we have to be very, very careful because we are living in the last days, the last of the last days. In Second Peter chapter 1, 10 and 11, Apostle Peter, before he dies, his final letter, he makes his exhortation to us, to his people at his time and to all of us. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Make it very, very sure. Be very diligent about one thing. That your calling and your choosing is absolutely sure. Pakka karna. Absolutely. You know, these all instructions we got when we were small and then we gave when we became teachers. You know, we used to tell, you know, like I've told you before, 15 minutes before the final bell finish. And this is how you tie that answer sheet. That cord should not come off and your answer sheet should not get mixed with others. This is how you tie. See that everything is question order number is very, very clear. 
read the whole thing again and as far as possible within your understanding and learning, see that the teacher does not get a chance to put a red mark. Make it sure, diligently. Diligently. You could have written the right answer, but put the wrong number. All of us have made up those goof-ups. You wrote the absolutely right answer for question number two, but put three there. It's gone. If it's your own teacher, it's okay. He will show mercy. Board exam, who cares? You don't care. They go by this thing. Gone. The answer is perfect. But you were not diligent to make sure. That's what Gopi is saying. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. And we know he gives a list of things. That's not what we are looking at it. And he says, these are the things which you need to do. And he says, if you make it sure when you are living, when you die, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know when this, I mean, cricketers, we are cricket fans, we are not other fans, tennis is here, but we are cricket fans. You know, when this guy who wins the IPL or one day match or something, finally he wins and he's going through that tunnel, no? People stand, everybody wants to pat him on the back and his teammates all come out. Okay, you know what? He's done well and he's getting a rich entrance. Okay, rich entrance. He says, do these things. Do this. Be very, very sure about your call. And about your choosing. Be very, very sure. Primarily be very sure that you are saved. <laughs> Yesterday we were doing the Q&A. I said, uh, the steps which God, that's not the message, but we will look at it that too. Okay. How do you make yourself sure? Like I said yesterday, I made a statement. Don't get mad at me. Uh, uh, I'm not, I'm talking now, not to you about the theologically there are theologians over there, no, who learn to split words and all that. If you're really saved, it's very difficult to lose your salvation. Okay, very difficult to lose your salvation. To the point there are theologians who say King Saul is in heaven and not in hell. You know why? Because they say when the witch was called and she brought up Samuel, from the place of the dead, because Jesus hasn't taken them yet. So if that was Samuel who was with him, who came, Samuel says, today you will be with me. They take it and say, Saul went to Samuel and not to the other place. So you need to understand, okay? Come sit here. <clears throat> I told you. <laughs> I gave him that advance warning in the morning. Okay, now don't take that and run with it, okay, that I can be a cranky, crazy man like Saul and still make it, okay, don't. So, the first thing, John chapter 16, verse 8, the first step of God, first step of God is that when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. The first step of God, that's why we preach the word of God, and when we preach the word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts us. The first work of the Holy Spirit is conviction. Because before you can repent of your sin, you need to be convicted of your sin. 
Okay? You are convicted. He convicts us of sin. If you don't, okay? I'm talking about to the saved ones. I'm not talking to the unsaved ones. Okay? This is all written to the saved ones. It's not written to the unsaved ones. So don't think only unsaved people sin. Saved ones sin more. Okay. The reason is unsaved ones have the fear of hell. The saved ones have the assurance of heaven. So who sins more? <laughs> That's why all these written letters of warning are written to believers, not to the unbelievers. Okay. So the first thing he does to a child of God is that when we sin, he convicts us. The Spirit of God convicts us. If you don't listen to conviction, Hebrews 12, verse 5, he goes to second one. My son, do not despise the Lord's chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. He chastens us. Okay. That's what I said, it's very difficult to be unsaved. Okay. He's not like we earthly fathers. He doesn't leave us alone. Okay. You want to go that way, you go. He doesn't do that. When he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he meant it. Okay. <laughs> that is what David understood. Thy rod and thy staff, they always accompany me. Wherever you go, there are two sticks in your hand. A rod is there, a staff is there. Okay. So, he disciplines us. Okay, he disciplines us. Only have the discernment to understand the disciplining of the Lord. What is happening in so, honestly, so many things that are happening in God's children's life is the disciplining hand of the Lord. That's why when we bind and loosen, nothing happens. Okay, and the devil stands beside and says, I, 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 "I am." You see, there was so much anointing upon Apostle Paul that he sweat. Okay, that's what it means—the kerchiefs that were taken from his body. What is kerchiefs used for? Wiping your sweat. There was so much anointing on his sweat; it healed people. Yet there is a fellow hanging on to him. Nothing can move that demon. It's on him. You know why? Because God still hung on to him. The very anointing that is casting out demons, this demon is hanging on through that anointing. Why? Because it's God said. I kept it there for you. Is he a bad man? No. Is he a good man? He's a very good man. But he says, this is me. Hang in with there and go. And it is called a disability. We don't know what it is. Okay. Think about it. The man who heals, goes around healing and raising the dead, has got a spirit of infirmity upon him. And it is true. You see, if you look in church history, there are plenty of men of God who had powerful healing ministry limped and had infirmity. And God kept him like that. They didn't heal them. But they healed thousands. Okay. So understand, God has his own ways. Sometimes we don't understand God's ways. So sometimes we need to read what is happening in our life. Is it chastisement, O oh Lord? Because, okay. Step three, twelve six. And whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. He scourges. Scourges is open rebuke. Openly, he scourges. There's a difference between a spanking and an open wound. It's cut open. You know, there are theologians who say that when David was rebuked by Nathan, it was in the front of his entire court. It's an open rebuke. 
It was not in private. A lot of them said it was not in private. It was in an open court. You are that man. And he shriveled like a worm. You are that man. It was an open rebuke. Because God loved him. God loved him. And he says, I have sinned. God said, I have taken. Not to Saul. He didn't give an open rebuke. He didn't do that. Because he said, just stand by me. Let all the people think you are with me. It was an open rebuke. It was a private rebuke. To David, it was an open rebuke. God knows whom to give open rebukes and who will not listen to that. Open rebuke. Okay. So the third step he does with his children, to make your election sure, to make your calling sure. What does he do? It's conviction, chastisement. He goes to scourging and open rebuke. Then what happens if you don't listen to open rebuke too? He goes to step four, which is called judgment. Second Chronicles chapter 36. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers rising up early, sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people. Still there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin on the aged or weak. He gave them all into his hands. Judgment comes. Judgment comes. Second okay. Chronicles 33, 9-13 So Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now when he was in affliction, this is judgment, okay? From conviction to chastisement to open rebuke to affliction, to judgment. He implored his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his eternity. Even at that stage, God will restore you. God will restore you. And heard his application, brought him back to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew the Lord was God. Okay? Then the final stage. You don't listen to conviction or chastisement or open rebuke, or scourge, or judgment. You go to the fifth stage, which is called, you become a reprobate. Romans 1 and verse 21. Although they knew God. So these are not people who did not know God. Although they knew God. They did not glorify Him as God. They did not accept His Lordship. Nor were they thankful. But became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate or a debased mind. He gives us over. Okay. Now we are not talking about unbelievers. Please understand, we are not talking about unbelievers. Unbelievers can have a debased mind or a blinded mind. They still have the hope of salvation if they hear. We are talking about those who are Christians. They have gone to that point. God hands them over. A debased, reprobate mind. Okay. Now listen carefully. 
if we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace and grace alone. If we are not saved by our works, but saved by grace alone, we are also not lost by our works. Now you will find it. How is that possible? It's simple mathematics. If you are not saved by your works, then you are also not lost by your works. Then how are you lost? How are you lost? We are lost because we resist the grace of God. We are lost. Not because of our works. Even Manasseh can be restored if he doesn't resist the Holy Spirit. We are lost because we resist the grace of God. We are lost because we resist the Spirit of God. And He leaves us. The minute the Spirit of God leaves, you become a reprobate. You become a reprobate. Okay. So don't take that first statement and run with it. But it is true. If you are not saved by your works, you are also not lost by your works. If you are lost, it is because the Lord convicted you, you didn't listen. He chastised you, you didn't learn. He gave you open rebuke, you did not listen. He judged you, you still did not listen. If Manasseh had not cried out to the Lord in Babylon, he would have died in Babylon a reprobate. But in his fourth stage of judgment, he cried out. He didn't resist the Holy Spirit. He cried out. And the God brought him back. And the Bible says when he came back, he knew the Lord is God. Okay? Understand how it works. And you go back, all those who are listening, read, read uh, Romans 1.21. No? There are a lot of pastors, including pastors, a lot of people standing up and saying, I'm leaving the ministry, I no longer believe, I am gay. He has given them over to a reprobate mind so that they would do which you would have never done. Homosexuality of a believer, when a hom- believer becomes a homosexual, he has been handed over. It is beyond judgment. It's beyond judgment. That's why they leave. That's why they leave. You need to understand why they say they leave. I don't believe anymore. The big names are all saying, I don't believe anymore. I'm no longer a Christian. I believe, I believe this is a lifestyle which is acceptable. God has handed them over. They have ca- crossed from stage four to stage five. It's a very, very dangerous place to be. Okay? So don't push. Don't try to be like Samson, pushed to the limits. How far can I push the grace of God? Be careful. So take all these lessons seriously. Why? Many are? It doesn't say all are called. Many are called. Not all. Many are called. And among those called, few are chosen. Okay? The first generation was rejected from being chosen. Okay, The second generation is at the banks of River Jordan and they have to cross over. The question is, how do you cross over? How do you cross over? We all want to cross over. We want the resurrection power of, we have heard it till it is coming out of our nostrils. But how do we get this resurrection power? We want that resurrection power. The question is, yes, I want to cross over. And it's not going to be a Moses with his rod who will part the waters. That is not going to happen. If Moses comes and parts the waters for you, it is not resurrection power. It is the power of the law. It's 
the power of the law. Moses is no longer in the picture. So don't look at the people. How do you cross over? Don't look at the people. Joshua 3, 8. Look at the priests. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of Jordan, you shall stand in Jordan. So don't look at the people. Instructions are being given. After three days, on the third day, God says, tomorrow is where it begins. Tomorrow is going to be. You know what? Keep your eyes on the priests. Keep your eyes on the priests. These priests shall carry the ark of my covenant and shall go to the edge of the water and they shall stand in Jordan. 1 Peter 2, 9. Positionally, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. If you are chosen, then you are a priest. Okay? If you are chosen, you are a priest. Positionally true. If you are chosen, you are a priest. In meaning, in the New Testament, we are chosen to be priests who carry the presence of God with us. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a testimony of God. It is the presence of God. We are chosen to carry the presence of God wherever we go. If you look at verse 11, Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord all of all the earth is crossing over before you into Jordan. The ark is the one who is crossing over. It goes first. But verse 13 says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord. Okay, The ark of the Lord is going before. But the ark is carried by men. On earth, the presence of God is going. But it is on the, on the lives of people. It is not going on his own. Going on. It is a church. Church is God's army on earth. It is the body of Christ. Like, where is Jesus now? In the church. In the body. Okay? So the ark is going ahead of you. But the ark rests on the shoulders of the priest. What does it mean? It means his life has become their life. It's 12 men carrying the ark. And verse 17. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed over completely over the Jordan. Okay, Until everyone. Twelve men. Twelve dead men. Twelve dead men. Dead to self. Stood there in the middle of the river. Twelve is the number of God's government. The government is upon his shoulders. These are twelve men bearing the government of God and standing in the middle of the river of death so that everyone can cross over. Okay? Everyone can cross over. The title for today's message, Sammy, Wanted, with Colin, Wanted, A Few Dead Men. Twelve dead men stood there so that the people could pass over. They are carrying the presence of God in the river of death and the people are crossing over. Now when we study the Bible, 
we will see this principle is always there. What is Abraham called? Hebrew. What is Isaac called? Hebrew. What is Jacob called? Hebrew. What is Joseph called? Hebrew. What does Hebrew mean? The one who crossed the river. Okay. You can be an Israelite without being a Hebrew. But you cannot be a Hebrew without being an Israelite. A Hebrew is somebody who has crossed over. The one who crossed the river. Who has crossed over. Okay. So if you read the book of Hebrews, it is written to those who have crossed over. So we see this principle throughout the Bible. The principle is this. If others or if some people have to cross over, some people have to cross over. You know, some have to be willing to die. Never has others crossed over unless there was somebody or some set of people who are willing to die first. Die to self, primarily. The others can't cross over. Okay. The first one, if you look over there in Israel's history, who was called to die was Abraham. Okay, called to die. He had to die for long time before he was kind of really dead. We don't die in a day. The first called out couple, first man and first lady. See, when we talk about uh, death, because we have this inbuilt program called image protection program. That is our self. Okay? It's an inbuilt pro Default setting is that. We have to protect our image. And we will do everything possible to protect our image. No? And what God does is that any man he has used to bring others in, he destroys their image. It destroys their image. Okay? It destroys. There's no other way. He destroys their image. So, God has, after they entered the promised land, God had to wait 25 years before this couple is dead. Okay. Before he can actually begin his promise to work in them. If you turn to Romans chapter 17 to 22. For as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who are the dead? These two. Okay. Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. God picked two dead. When did he come? When both of them were dead. When both of them were dead, literally, God came and told them, Next year, this time, you will experience resurrection. You are dead. Because only dead people can experience resurrection. Resurrection is for the dead. As long as we are living, we will, God will use us. God will take care of us. But we do not experience the power of resurrection. Because resurrection is for the dead. And what they experience, 
was in so many ways a picture of the resurrection power of Christ. A picture of the resurrection power of Christ. Our issue is that we don't understand is much of our ministry and much of the ministry that is happening around the world is on the wrong side of Jordan. With people who have never crossed over, are unwilling to cross over. So you have mega churches and mega programs and all on this side of Jordan. Okay? And why don't people cross over? Because if you have to, people cross over, God needs first a man who is willing to die. Don't blame the people. Don't blame the people. God has to get a person who is willing to die. Abraham, where are you going? He went without knowing where he was going. Okay, that's how it begins. He's slowly starting to die. The minute he lives to self, he stops. Then self is portrayed in the image of his father. When that dies, he moves. Again, famine comes, he lives. He doesn't move anymore. He goes down. Then he comes out. You will see constant this battle, living and dying, living and dying. It's not consistent. So he's not moving. The promise God has given to him will not come to pass until he's completely dead. That's a, you have to realize what is the promise. Everybody has been given a promise. Everybody has a promise. If you have heard from God, if you haven't heard also, there's still there a promise. Just go and find out what it is. The promise of God which is connected to your purpose will come to pass only when you die. It does not happen with the living. Otherwise you will boast. My hand did it. When that promise which God has given to you specifically come to pass, you will know it is his hand that did it. And for that to happen, you have to die first. Isaac, the Uttam Purush in the Bible, the nice guy. Very nice guy. Absolutely nice guy. Because he is born when a couple knew what parenting was. Usually what happens is when we have our children, we are learning, not them. They are the guinea pigs. They are not learning anything. We are learning and we goof up. By the time we come to a second and third baby, we are more experts. But in this case, this couple is, uh, father is a hundred years old. Okay, He has seen all his slaves, all bearing children. He had 318 soldiers born in his household. He has seen many children being raised up. So he has understood what parenting is. Okay, And he have this boy. And the first words of Isaac mentioned in the Bible is found in Genesis 26, 22, verse 6 and 7. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am my son. Then he said, look the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? These are the first words. Isaac. So where do you see Isaac speaking first as he is going to die? As he is going to die. Okay. And verse 9 says, They came to the place which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. 
So that's why you see, unlike Abraham and uh, Jacob, okay, I say except for one goof up with Rebecca, he was fearful, and then old age, he loses interest. But other than that, if you look at the long length of his life, you can't find anything wrong there. You know why? Because he begins his life from death. He begins from death. He starts his life from death. Others live long and then they die and they receive the resurrection power. He begins with the resurrection power. He's bound to the altar. Okay? So his life is a picture over there of this thing. That's why he has no issues. 40, not married, no problem. The will of my father. I am dead. Under 40, don't you want to get married? Not my will, but his will. He will decide. I'm not living my life. I'm living his life. Gets married. No children. Don't you not taking a concubine? No, I'll wait. God has promised he will work it out in his own time. I'm not going to circumvent anything over here. He will do in his own time. He can wait 20 years. You know why? That's the resurrection power. Everything is in the hands of God. So you see this pattern. Okay? Pattern in the Bible. And of course, our most of quoted example is Joseph. Joseph is not only called, he's chosen. And all hell breaks loose. Right? 13 years, what is God doing with him? He's killing him. Image protection program goes out of the window. Everything is gone. No image at all. Okay, He has an image. Remember, that's why a man would walk 70 kilometers in that multicolored coat. Okay, He has. He has it. Why would you want to wear it? Think about it. Why would you want to wear it? Knowing that's an eyesore to the brothers. But he wears it. It's like our children, who is, you know, some of our children have traveled, you know, to cold climate. Hmm? They call, I say, at a time like this, why do you want to go? Put yourself at risk, put others at risk, but I still want to go. There is no answer to that. It's not that, question is, why do you want to go? The answer should be, this is the reasons why I want to go. That's not, I still I want to go. It is like Joseph. It's like Joseph. Joseph? <laughs> okay. It's like Joseph. Your brothers hate you. They upset with you because your father gave this coat. Your father is not here. You're going to travel 70 miles to find out how your brothers are. Why do you want to wear that coat? I still want to wear it. I still want to wear it. Okay. And the first thing that happens is they rip that image off. Dreamer. They rip that coat apart. Okay. And you will see after that, Potiphar gave him a nice coat. He's got these stewards with three stripes here, three stripes. Everybody has no stripes. And then he's out. That coat is also taken out. Okay. So everywhere God is, what, but what is God doing? And we'll say, why is God doing this? Lord, why, what has this fellow done? He says, I'm killing him. I have to destroy him first. I have to bring him to the point of death. Then his household will cross over. Otherwise they won't cross over. They won't cross over. If his household has to cross over, this man has to die first. If this man is not dead to himself, 
and alive only to the will of God. When his brothers come before him, he will say, pick all of them and lock them up in. That's the end of his household. I was waiting for this moment. I haven't forgotten. His heart would have been the heart of Ahitophel and not the heart of Jesus. When he got that opportunity, Absalom has gone to the other side. Ahitophel crossed over and said, this is what you should do to your father. So you need to realize that man is not dead at all. He is alive. So God has a plan so that others can cross over. He has to find a man whom he can kill. A man who will die. Who will die. Who is willing to die. And Joseph, it takes 13 years. A good man, a good boy, takes him 13 years before he is ready. ready. How do you know? Because even in the 11th year, he's still planning his own escape. Still planning. He tells the cupbearer, if the king says, if you go over there, put in a word for me. And man forgot completely. God heard that nicely. Okay, you want to get out before your time? You're not ready yet. He didn't know what he did. See, he can even override your will. So don't put this great sanctity on the will and all. He, what did he cause? He caused that man to forget Joseph completely. Even by accident, you will not mention Joseph in the court. Forget him. Just memory bank, he just wiped it out. You know, because that's my chosen man. He's prepared for a rich entrance into heaven. He has to save his household. But before he can save and others can cross over, he has to die. At 13 years, he's ready, he's dead. And suddenly he remembers, ah, there was a Hebrew. A boy who crossed the river, a Hebrew in the prison. You see, everywhere they are identified as a Hebrew. Right? When his image is torn apart in Potiphar's house, Mrs. Potiphar says, there's a Hebrew boy. And when he remembers, yes, there was a Hebrew young man. Hebrew. To take it as a good title. That is Joseph. Then of course we have our favorite David. Anointed and chosen among his brethren, from his tribe, from the nation. And all hell breaks loose. There's one of the questions I ask. I ask people, you know, especially go on missions, people will say, oh, God has called me. I ask, has hell broken loose yet? That's how you know God has called you. What has God called you? So the others can cross over. Understand simply, if God has called somebody so the others can cross over. That is the purpose. But if others have to cross over, you have to die first. Otherwise, otherwise others cannot cross over. Okay. All hell broke loose. Poor fellow has no clue what is happening. Running like a fugitive, like a rat. Hiding in holes and dens and caves and all. Everybody's hand seems to be against him. Buckling under pressure. Serving flesh. Then, at the end, at Ziglag, he dies. I think Ziglag, he literally dies. If you look at it, he dies. Every man's hand is against him. David is dead. And then he cries out. And resurrection power comes in. It's a picture of the resurrection power. He's absolutely at the end. He's, they don't even have strength to fight. But they receive strength. And before you know, he starts 
possessing what he has been promised. Because what God has promised you cannot be possessed in your strength and in your power. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if that power has to come, the man has to die first. Because God will not share his glory with anyone. Not even his chosen man. Otherwise it is my hand and your hand which did together. No. Your hand and my power. My power. Understand this. These are fundamental principles. So he stands there alone. And then of course, if you go to the narrative, you have Elijah. Okay. Elijah is one of the strangest characters in the Bible. The more I study Elijah, more insight I get. Lord, okay, I didn't understand this. Okay, now it starts making more sense. Like, you know, suddenly you see this man from Tishbite. He has, I mean, his introduction shows that he has died to a certain level. Why? You don't know his father, you don't know his mother. We all go by name, no? father's name, family name, Khandanka name, everything. It is put across because that is our identity. This man has no identity. Elijah the Tishbite. That's all. Who's your father? Don't worry. Do we know? No. What did you do before coming here? We don't know. Elisha, we know what he was doing. What did Elijah do before being called? We don't know. We don't know anything about Elijah. Meaning, when he's presented to us, he's presented to a man is dead. But not dead enough for God. Dead enough for one operation. That's all. Go, speak. I mean, imagine if you get a chance to go and prophesy to the king. And what is the words you are saying? There will be no dew, no rain until the word of the Lord comes through me again. I stand before God. And next thing he hears is, turn eastward. Oh, eastward. Where, Lord? Go preach in that convention? No, go. Sit in Jareth. He was like polishing his prophet's mantle and all. Now I have spoken to the king. Now I will speak to the people. God said, go sit there and hide. God is working on Elijah. God is not hiding Elijah from Ahab. Though it looks like that. Because God can. I mean, nobody can find anybody if God decides you are not going to. I mean, Jesus can walk with you and you won't even know it is Jesus. It's not a big thing for Jesus, God to protect Elijah throughout the means. God is protecting Elijah from Elijah. More than he's protecting from Ahab. From Elijah. What does he do? Sitting by a drying brook and being fed by unclean birds. It's a real dent on your ego. After your great prophetic mission. Imagine your prophetic mission. You have already declared there will be no rain until my word. And what are you doing? Sitting somewhere in the wilderness, brook is dry, and you are fed by unclean birds. Okay, God says, you are not ready yet, Elijah. Elijah has no clue, but God knows what he is planning to do with Elijah. Elijah, one day you are going to stand alone, before a king, before the whole nation, and before 850 false prophets of Baal, you alone. And the man who can take this whole has to be a dead man. You are not dead yet. You are not dead yet. Right now you are dead enough only to speak to one man. But you are not dead enough. You are not ready enough for me to display you to the world. Where it will not destroy you. You are not ready enough for me to proclaim to the world 
without it destroying you. Your self has to die. Your self has to die. Because God has a plan for us. Don't fall short of God's plan and be exposed to the world before our time. Before our time. Stay hidden. Stay hidden. Listen, because we always want to jump before. No. We don't want to. Because it will ruin us. God alone knows. God alone knows. It's not enough. Next thing, he's fed by a poor Gentile. Is kosher Hebrew. She has to live in a Samaritan's house. We don't even know where she's a Samaritan. We only know she's a Samaria. But she may be absolute Gentile. It's even more humbling. Where is Elijah the prophet? Living in a Gentile house. You know, Peter and all talking. Never eaten with Gentiles. Never entered their house. Now he's not entering and eating. He's living and eating there. It is humiliating. It's really, really humiliating. So kerit means cutting away. We are all scholars. But the problem is, do we allow God to cut away? Zarifat means furnace or smelting pot. What cannot be cut away? Will you allow God to melt it away? Okay. What the launderer's soap will not do, will the refiner's fire do? That's what God is talking about. Because all that is connected with priesthoods. Priests who will offer sacrifices. Priests who will carry the presence of God. It is humiliating. Let me ask you this question. Okay, This is the answer I got this morning. Why three and a half years of drought? What was the reason for three and a half years of drought? Why did he give three and a half years of drought? Our answer is, usually answer is, to turn the hearts of the people back to God. So turn with me to First Kings chapter 18, verse 17. Then 19, 2 and 18, 21. It happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, troubler of Israel? Let me ask you a question. After three and a half years of severe drought, has the king changed? No. 19. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. After three and a half years of drought, has the queen changed? No. 18. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Did the people change? No. Then why three and a half years of famine to change Elijah? Not the people. Nobody has changed. But the man has changed. He's ready now. He's ready now. So there's a pandemic around the world. People are dying like flies. But people are not changing. But some called ones are changing. Some called chosen ones are changing through this. You know why? They are being changed. We will say, Lord, why doesn't this stop? Why doesn't this drought end? Why does this river of death stop? Because you say, some people are still not ready. When they are ready, this will stop. When they are ready, the drought will stop. Sometimes we think it's about the people. No, it's not about the people. It's a man called by God. When God needs a work to be done, he calls a man. When he needs a work which is impossible, he kills that man. Then only the impossible things can be done. Otherwise, it cannot be done. 
it took god 40 years in the wilderness to prepare moses to bring the people out one man all of israel is crying all of israel is crying but you know what god won't do anything okay literally while is preparing this man if you want to look 40 as a generation one generation died in their bondage because one man is not ready the one who is called the one who is chosen is not ready so one generation dies in egypt because he is not ready no he's not ready 40 years because god has to get rid of all the wisdom of egypt the self righteousness that comes from that wisdom until he comes to the point where he really believes i am only good to take care of sheep i am good for nothing and at that point god appears and speaks to him is you are ready now you are ready now. god turns up Moses must have thought oh i thought you had forgotten me i thought you lost my address god says no you are still going through the process i haven't forgotten you i haven't lost your address i know exactly where you are exactly what you are doing i'm waiting for the right time now that you think you are nothing you are ready to be something that's what i said everything god has promised is on the other side of jordan but it has to be possessed everything god has promised us is in christ ephesians 1:3 blessed be the god and the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ everything is in christ but it has to be possessed for them it was a land it was on the other side it has to be possessed for us it is a life it is on the other side it has to be possessed other side morning after death not after death all these blessings are for now it is not after death all these blessings are for now but it is in Christ Jesus it has to be possessed you and i cannot live our life and possess Christ's life it is not possible it is simply not possible it will not happen i cannot live my life and try to possess christ's life that's why i said many will be resurrected without knowing the power of resurrection our issue is we want moses experiences without moses life we want elijah's experiences without elijah's life we want paul's visions and ministry without his life but the problem is there is a river that is flowing it mocks us and it laughs at us it tells us that life is on the other side you know what we do in response we fast 7 days 14 days 21 days 40 days 240 times we pray until we fall asleep on our bed we pray we study day and night we 
attend every meeting possible. Supernatural conference. Pay through our nose. Nothing happens. Because Jordan does not recognize any of those things. Only thing Jordan recognizes are dead people. You cannot fast your way through Jordan. It doesn't part for you. You cannot pray your way through Jordan. It does not part for you. The three instances you look in the word where Jordan parted, they neither fasted, neither prayed, neither studied. They had to die. Only dead men cross Jordan or dead men part Jordan. You can study as much as you want. It does not part for you. It laughs at you. It mocks at you. On this side you can live with this side experiences. But that side is where the victorious life lies. Jordan parts only for the dead. Where you are dead to yourself. Dead to your dreams. Dead to your aspirations. Dead to everything. Moses is dead. Now he is alive. And you see an old 80 year old man. Standing with just one stick. Before the Pharaoh. Ordinarily nobody will stand like that. Nobody will go. Only dead men will go. To his own death. You have no clue what the Pharaoh will do. Pharaoh can take your head off. Okay. Nobody will go. Nobody will go like that. Unless you are already dead. Go. Tell the Pharaoh. Let my people go. What do you take with you? Take a stick. And take your older brother because he kept saying you can't talk. Okay, he will talk for you. Will you go? David is dead. I told him. For Samuel 30 verse 6. He's dead. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. He's finished. He's got nobody. He has nothing on flesh to lean on. He can't even call one of his wives and says, will you pray for me? They are also gone. No children. Everything is gone. And all the people with him are raising their hand against him. He's dead. And he turns to God. And God turns up for him. And he begins. The end of flesh and resurrection life begins. Elijah is dead on Mount Carmel. Like I said, one one man standing against a whole nation, the king and the prophets of Baal. The dead man standing. You know, still little flesh is left. It's not fully dead. So what does he do? He runs. Rama and Jezebel threatens, he runs. You know why? He's alive. What is he running to save his life? What does God do? Hides him again. You're not dead yet, fully. Hides him. It is interesting, if you read after that, in chapter 18 is when all these things, 17, 18, all these things happen. 19, he meets God at Horeb, tells him, go down the road, do these things, Elisha and all. After that, in 20th, you have Ben-Hadad coming, threatening Ahab and all. God doesn't use Elijah. Do you see Elijah there? No. He sends an unknown prophet. Three times. Unknown prophet. You don't see Elijah there at all. You know, you stay hidden. Your flesh is still there. 
You stay here. I'll send somebody. His name is irrelevant. Your name is known. Now, if I send you to Elijah, to Ahab and says, this is what the Lord says, you will win. Already you are struggling with your flesh. You don't go. I'll send somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. Let him go. He doesn't have great plans like you. You are chosen. I cannot allow any level of flesh alive in you. So you stay here. Let him do that work. You know, when Ahab is sent, actually, sorry, when um, he is sent, he sent when Ahab has killed Naboth. You go tell Naboth, this is your end. He should be feeling like German. Lord, why why do I always have to go tell this king bad news? Why can't I be with the prophet who brings good news? Victory is coming, you will win. The king will also be happy, I will also be happy. You never let me, that's because your flesh has to die. Go give him bad news. This is what will happen to you. Dogs will lick your blood and go back. See, we all want to be carriers of good news. Nobody wants to be carriers of bad news. But you have to die in your flesh to be authentic. It doesn't matter to me, Lord. Whatever you say, I will say. Good or bad, it's irrelevant to me. I am dead. Dead men don't have feelings. Dead men don't have choices. Choices are made for them. Yesterday there was a video somebody sent. Oh, I think it's a, is it a railway station or a hospital, this thing. Dead bodies, dead bodies, all wrapped in plastic, piled over there. Anybody complaining? Maybe 10 days earlier, some of them complained, your rice is not well coated, dal has no salt in it. Anybody complaining now? My, my shirt is not ironed properly, my creases are gone. Nobody's complaining, all wrapped and thrown over there. Dead men have no feelings. They do what God tells them. That is what it means. It is not that they don't feel, but they will override their feelings and do exactly what God tells them. Because they have no personal stake in this. It's thy will and not my will. Lord, why didn't you send me to tell Ahab that you're going to defeat Benhadad twice? One in the valley, one in the mountain and all that. Why did you send an unknown fellow? I could have gone, no? At least he recognizes me, he knows me. Should have come from my mouth. No, You sit there quietly. You don't have to go. What do I have to do? Just walk around with Elisha. Teach him some things. Just go. I mean, look at what Elijah is doing and what the unknown prophet is doing. What is Elijah doing? Tutor. What are you tutor? How many students? One student. Okay. We have to understand fundamental principles of what it does mean to death to self-life. You do what God tells you. You do what God tells you. You don't do what you think is God glory or what you think you want to do, what you like to do. You just do what God tells you to do. Next time you see Elijah, is Ahab is dead. Ahab is dead. He's gone. And his son is ruling. Son sends somebody to check out. He's not well. He fell down. He must have eaten or he must have been drunk. He fell down. Now he's injured. He sends his messengers to the false gods. God tells him, you go tell those soldiers, is there not a prophet in Israel? Those guys go back and says, this man said, what does he look like? He says, looks like, oh, that is Elijah. That is Elijah. He sends 50 soldiers to get Elijah. 
Now think about it. Fifty soldiers to tell Elijah. What does Elijah do? Fire. You know why? Because when God tells you to call fire, you call down fire. You don't say, poor people, why should they die? I'll smack them twice and send them. God says, kill them. Kill them. You have no stake in this. To keep alive or to keep dead, it's God's choice. You have nothing. If you have to prophesy death, you prophesy death. You have to prophesy life, you prophesy life. Your feelings override. It's all into God's hands. Twice he kills people. Hundred people are dead. Not because of Elijah, but because of the God of Elijah. God of Elijah. Do you understand what I mean? Do you think Elijah wants to kill those people? No, but God wants to. You know, it's, in a, it's like our, uh, what you call, social media settings. God is the administrator. He over, overrides. He overrides. Elijah doesn't want to kill. But go over, over and he says, okay, fire, die. See, we like the good things. We don't like the bad things. But the decision is in God's hands, not our hands. You can't be like uh, Joel Austin. Anyway, people are all having trouble. So when they come to church, I don't want to trouble them. I'll give them a nice, comfortable message. You don't choose. You don't choose. God chooses. When God tells you, show the kindness of God, you show the kindness of God. When God says, show the severity of God, you show the severity of God. It's not your choice. We are, God does not need PR people. We are not into public relationship business with God. God says, your job is to show who I am, exactly as I am. You don't have to improve on my image. No. The church is not God's PR. Church job is to portray what God tells you to do. And you have no stake in it. That is why it is so difficult to die to self. The self will always come in. That's why I said, Jordan only parts for dead men. Because one of the things Elijah has to prove before he can be caught up in the chariots of fire is whether Jordan will part for him or not. The last test for Elijah is this. You have to cross Jordan. No bridge, no boat, no swimming. You have to cross. You have to cross. The question is, will the river part for you? And it does. And we see the resurrection power. We see the power of rapture over there. He's taken. Because God is coming for dead people. Not those who are living. Because the resurrection power rests on dead men. Look at Luke chapter 3 verses 21 to 22. 21 to 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. All the people are baptized. Where are they all being baptized? In Jordan. All are being baptized in Jordan. Jesus also was baptized in Jordan. But when he was baptized, the heaven opened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, which is the resurrection power actually, comes only upon dead men. Hundred people are getting in River Jordan, only one is dead. 
everyone goes through that institution of baptism, but only one experience is real. And the spirit descends upon him, and not on the others. And God is not a respecter of persons. Or a respecter of persons. Many were baptized. But the spirit rests only on one. Because only one man came out of that river dead. So three days, the nation waited on the banks of Jordan. You know what three days is? Three days is death, burial and resurrection. Three days. Death, burial and resurrection. Genesis 22 verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. Okay. If he has to get Isaac back, he has to die, he has to be buried, and he has to be resurrected. On the third day, he got him back. On the first day, he died. He's already dead in his heart. He's not dying when his knife is lifted. Three days. Dead. Buried. Resurrected. Because resurrection power is for those who are dead. The promised land of Canaan is resurrection turf or ground. We cannot walk there unless we have, we are already dead and buried. We cannot walk there. It is for people who have the resurrection power. And to have the resurrection power, we need to die first. And that's what is offered in Romans 12.1. We don't have to go there. Offer yourself as living sacrifices. And what does Apostle Paul says? I die daily. I die daily. If I don't die, the day he dies, he has resurrection power. The day he's alive, there's no resurrection power. He has power, but no resurrection power. That day you don't overcome. You don't overcome. Because every battle in the promised land or every battle to possess the promised life is possessed only by resurrection power. Joshua 3 verse 15. And though, as those who bore the ark came to Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. For Jordan overflows all its banks the whole time of harvest. Okay? The banks are overflowing. Okay? Now we have looked at it in different contexts. God chooses the worst time. Right? God doesn't respect our feelings. <laughs> okay? When God respects my feeling, he's saying, son, your will and not mine. No, he says, I don't respect your feelings. He chose the worst time. The whole river is overflowing. It's a river of death. What is happening? It's just not flowing. It's overflowing the... Take a good look around India. Death is overflowing its banks. Take a good look around the earth, around the world. Immorality is overflowing the banks. Indecency is overflowing. Jordan is overflowing. Lawlessness is overflowing. Modesty, modesty is overflowing. You name it, every sin from hell is overflowing his banks. 
what do you do? God says, the church has been brought to this point, to cross over. When sin abounds is when grace abounds. Grace doesn't go down when sin abounds. When all the powers of hell are loosed on earth, so is the resurrection power of Christ. The church has been brought to this point when Jordan is overflowing. God says, I need 12 dead men to stand up. I need a few dead men. The need of the hour now is I need a few dead men so that you can cross through this overflowing river. It is death. It is disease. It is indecency. It is lawlessness. It is immorality. It is, you can name it. It is overflowing the banks. We are seeing it like never before. Good is called evil. Evil is called good. It's overflowing. God says, but still people need to cross over. And to cross over, I need a few dead men. Not a few good men. The church has enough good men. I don't need a few good men. And you can make a movie out of it. And when God makes a movie, it is not called a few good men. It's called a few dead men. Few dead men. Few dead men. That's why we need to realize, if you look through the eyes of God, the heavenly vision, our worst hour could be our greatest moment. Always. Our worst hour could be our greatest moment. Look at Abraham's worst moment. It's on Mount Moriah. Sun is bound. Knife is raised. Worst moment in his life became the greatest hour of his life. Abraham, Abraham, stay your hand. He gets his son back. Now you know what? He can never lose that son. He can never lose that son. When you cross over to the other side, you have made your election sure. This side you are never sure. Always never sure. Always doubt. Always scared of backsliding. You crossed over the other side. You have made your election sure. You crossed the river. You crossed that river. You will never lose Isaac again. Right? David's worst moment, hour, became his greatest hour. God said, spoke to him. Pursue, overtake, recover all. He went. After that, it does not matter. It does not matter that your people, you have only 600 men, and they have walked for three days, and they are worn out. It does not matter. Because you are not going in your power. You are going in the power of God. 200 men stay off and said, we cannot go. Stay there. Lighten your law. Let's go. I mean, David, are you crazy? These Amalekites, there are hordes over them. You have only 600 men. And now only 400, they are all tired. Does not matter, I am running on resurrection power. Not on my power. I cannot lose. I cannot lose. On the way there is a sick man, dead man. Stop. We have time to minister to the weary. Why? I am running on resurrection power. I cannot lose now. It is impossible to lose. Impossible to lose. We do not know what we miss when we do not die to self. 
what is actually. We are trying everything in our strength. Even when we fast. Even when we pray. Even when we study. When we attend. Everything we are still doing it our own strength. Well, God says, all you need to do, get up in the morning and die. First to get up in the morning, you have to die. It is not get up in the morning and die. First you have to die to get up in the morning. That means you have to die when you go to sleep. Lord, whenever you open my eyes, it's irrelevant. I will get up. It's not me, but you. I'll get up. And God is very merciful. Some days you'll wake you up at three. Some days you'll wake you up at six. You just give autonomy into his hands. Let him fix the timetable. Because he's disciplined, he'll wake you up at a regular time. But some days he'll allow you to sleep. Jesus said, let us come apart. Let us rest. See, you never have to fear God to abuse you. He will never do that. He will never abuse you. He won't abuse your body either. We abuse your body, end up in the hospital, say, Lord, what happened? He said, you abused. I didn't. I told you to rest. You didn't. I said two things before you cry out for healing. One, eat properly. Second, rest properly. Healing flows automatically. It's not healing, health flows. Two things. That's why God called the seventh day Sabbath. The rest. Rest is needed for the body. Okay. We need to rest. Don't rest too much. That is also bad for the body. Okay. Two things. I mean, we just follow what God. I mean, God doesn't break his order, okay? You can always trust God. It's difficult to trust man, but you can always trust God. No issues with God. So the worst hours can become our greatest, greatest, greatest hours. Three day wait. Joshua 3 verse 5. No, 3, 5, sorry. 3, 5. I didn't give it, sorry. Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. What are they supposed to do for three days? Sanctify. Sanctify. Consecrate yourself. Deal with yourself. Three days given to deal with yourself. And what will happen tomorrow? God will start doing wonders among you. We want wonders without sanctifying. We want wonders without dying. Lord, I want all the miracles except resurrection. He said, that is the miracle. That is where it begins. That is where it begins. Hmm? Tomorrow wonders will start. You know the wonders that started? Walls came down. What did they do? Nothing. Just obeyed God. The resurrection power that is bringing is down. While a prostitute's family is saved. Kings are defeated. Nation has rest. All battles are stopped. Time stands still for you. You say, no time, God says, plenty of time. I will give to resurrection power gives you time to finish all your tasks. Understand what the resurrection power, our complaint is there is no time, right? But actually it is not true. There is more than enough time. God will give you. He will stop the sun and the moon for you, meaning he will make it possible for you. It doesn't matter what your age is. When resurrection power comes, he will give you back all the east locusts have eaten. He will give it you back. Your days will be full. He will shorten somebody's time and lengthen yours. None of these things matter to God. You know? 
The problem is the church is on the wrong side of Jordan. In their case, it was two and a half tribes. But in our case, it is most of the church on that side. Because they don't, they don't want that life. On the other life, it is battle. Heart is already settled on this side. Status quo. Leave me alone. I will leave you alone. Hmm? I am okay. You are okay. They are not saying it to God. They are saying to the devil. I am okay. You are also okay. And if you look at that, these churches never go through any trials or tribulation. Administrations love them. They love them. Elisha begins with resurrection power. We see Elisha in the 19th chapter. Son of Shaphat with 12 yoke of oxen. Rich man's son. Harvest is coming. Sorry, rain has come. Okay, that's where you see. Next time you see him is in 2 Kings 3.11. What you hear about him. Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. How many years have passed by? 10, 11, 12? The only thing known about Elisha is that this is a guy who washes Elijah's clothes, pours water in his hand, washes his dishes. He's got no name. He begins from death. That's why he has a resurrection power. That's all he's known. He's known not as a prophet. He's known as a prophet's son. He's known, he's known as somebody because that's all they saw Elisha doing. They have never seen Elisha doing anything else. They have no call. Elisha is the one called to follow Elijah. He's the one who's going to receive the double. Nobody has any clue. Neither is Elisha telling anybody. What is he known as? The fellow who washes Elijah's hands. What is he known as? The one who pours water on hands of Elijah. What does it mean? Why is Elisha able to start where Elijah ends? Because he's lived a life with Elijah and died to himself. He's dead. Therefore, the resurrection power rests on him. He's dead. It's a man who's dead. We see him. We we never see him defeated. Did you see Elisha ever defeated? No. Defeated. Never seen the things which Elijah did at the end, he begins with that. Elijah calls down, Elijah calls down fire at the end. Elisha calls the bear out in the beginning. Oh, young men, nothing. God said, deal with them. Dealt with them. Pity, sympathy, all is in God's hands. That is, I always keep telling to pastors, don't be more merciful than God. The only one who's more merciful than in pretension is the devil. Don't be that. When God says kill, kill. When God says be kind, be kind. You have no autonomy in this. You have surrendered. Every day you wake up dead so that he lives. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 13 and 14. How Elijah, Elisha begins. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Elisha is gone. Elisha is gone. You know what he does? He tores his mantle off. He takes Elijah's mantle. 
He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. Where Elijah ended, Elisha begins. But look at the whole thing over there. You know what? He doesn't wear his mantle. He takes Elijah's mantle. He doesn't say, where is the God of Elisha? He says, where is the God of Elijah? He says, I have no identity. I have no identity. He doesn't talk about Elisha. He talks about Elijah. Elijah's clock, Elijah's name, Elijah's God. There is no mention of Elisha. And Jordan parts for dead men. It still parts for dead men. You know what God told Joshua? Tell the priests, go to the river Jordan and step into the water. Step into the the problem is we want the wonders of Canaan. The wonder of the life of Jesus Christ without getting our feet wet. Without getting our feet wet. Joshua 3.17 And the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over Jordan. The question is, can we endure till the end? Bible says, he who endures till the end will be saved. Can we endure till the end? They stood there. They were the first to get in, the last to get out. Can we endure? Do we quit ministry? How quickly people quit. Any kind of ministry. I'm not talking about a priesthood or a pastor. Anything they start, how quickly they quit. These guys stood there. They were the first to get in. They were the last to get out. No excuses. Twelve men. Imagine when they would have started. When this couple of million people and their flocks, everything crossed over, how many hours they stood. And on both sides, the people are crossing. And they are standing there from morning till evening. They are standing there holding the testimony of God. Holding the testimony of God. I've said this before, long time ago. The Bible says, when they stepped into the water, 20 miles away at a place called Adam, the water stopped. Okay, it stopped. 20 miles away, when the water recedes here, it will take a long time. It will take a long time. Water stopped 20 miles away. But where it stopped, the other rest of the water is still flowing. But they are asked to keep moving on. You know what? They are moving into the water. And the water is rising. You don't see anything receding. You don't. Your eyes are on the invisible, what God has spoken. You know why Moses was able to do everything that he did? Because he says he saw the invisible one. This is our issue. Our issue is that we are still trying to hold on to the things that are visible and not able to see the invisible. The kingdom of God is invisible. And the invisible always overcome the visible, whether it is in the demonic or in God's kingdom. And God says, where is your eyes? Where is your eyes? Moses saw the invisible one. 
These ones also li- listen to the invisible voice. Joshua said, go, step, stand in the middle. You know what? This is a picture I always have in the eye. They are taking and moving and the water is rising. The water is rising over them. Okay, it's coming. It's finally come higher and they are lifting it up above their heads. Because the ark can't get wet. And all the people standing on the banks, ultimately all they can see is the ark of the covenant raised up. Christ has preeminence in all things. Then they see a miracle. The water is coming down and down and down. A little later they say the water is gone. Then they see something else. The water is receding into the ground. A little later they see the ground is dry. Scripture says they crossed on dry ground. You know why? Because 12 people stood there. They represent the government of Christ. They stopped the river of death. And the people cross over. The people cross over. In a time like this, what are we praying actually for? That people can cross over. Cross over. From death to life. From disease to healing. But God needs people who will stand in the gap between the dead and the living. It doesn't matter whether we know them or not. We don't have to know their names. It doesn't matter. Let them send their requests. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap and pray. We forget all our issues. We pray day and night for them. Who are these people? We don't know. Hindus, Muslims, who cares what they are? Our job is to stand in the river so that people can cross over. Can cross over. And that's what God is talking about. Our job is to see that people are saved. They cross over onto the other side. Can we endure till the end? Is the question. That is why we preach. Why? Because we have to build ourselves in the most holy faith. Because the river Jordan is not a physical river. It's a river of death that is flowing. You know what? If I live today, the river will start flowing again. Every day you have to get up and step into that river so the others can cross over. Others can't cross over. Every day. Every day you have to get up and get into that river. So it parts for you. For what? Why should I part for you? I don't need the river to part. I'm living on the other side, you can say. But that's not the point. The point is people have to cross over. If the river doesn't part, people can't cross over. The Elijahs of this world, no problem. Take a mantle, crack, cross over, crack, cross over. What are the people? What are the people? What are the people? We are, we are not asked to cross over. We are asked to stand in the middle. The people are crossing over. Note the difference. It's not the priests who are crossing over. It's the people who are crossing over. What are the priests called to do? The twelve dead men stand there. In their case, it was one day. In the church's case, it has been two thousand years. God always had dead men and women who stood there until people crossed over in their generation. They they stood there till the very end of their life. End of their life. This morning, I was reading a list of people. One day, I want to read it out to you. A list of people, including Martin Luther and all list of people, their last words. It is stunning. A testimony of God's men down the centuries, the last words of men when they are dying. Unbelievable words. These are people who stood there till the end like Paul. I have 
finish my race. I have kept my faith. Last words. Still the end. That's what God talking about. This message is not for everyone. Message is not for everyone. But it is message is for hope. Don't worry, you will cross over. God will find his man for his hour. God will always have his man. Who will stand in the middle? Because his son stood in the middle. At the end of the day, he's the one who is standing in the middle. Because of him, we cross over. That is why I say we need intercessors. He's interceding so we can cross over. We need intercessors who will stand in the gap and cross over. You don't worry about me. You just start interceding. People will call you. You don't have to call people. You don't have to call people. You don't have to do one thing. People will call you. People will call you. And people will cross over. That's how it happens. You don't put it on YouTube and Facebook, Ministry of Intercession call. Nothing. You don't have to do anything. It will happen on its own. And then you will know this is the work of God. This is the work of God. That's one of the reasons we don't advertise. Because if we advertise, it becomes our work. We have never advertised in 13 years. Never, ever advertised in 13. Not even a pamphlet we have printed in our church saying we have such and such a meeting. We've never done it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in doing that. I'm not saying that either. But we have never done it because the power should be of God alone. God alone. Masks. This morning, I didn't even know she was telling me. Pastor Sharon, she talking to her. And Pastor Sharon was there. That DMX guy died, no, for his funeral. Met a lot of people. And she met people from, Pastor Sharon met people from where? China. She met people from Vietnam and all. And you know what? They asked her, who do you listen to? And she's very proud of me. She's my son-in-law. <laughs> she says, oh, your son-in-law. And they say, who's your son-in-law? And she said, James. She said, we know him. The guy from China said, I know him. The guy from Vietnam said, we know him. Isn't he Italian? They said, no, he's not Italian. He looks like Italian, but he's a shorty. Yeah, we all know him. <laughs> and I don't know these people. And she's very proud. Oh, my son-in-law, everybody listens to my son-in-law. You know what? We have never advertised. Never advertised. We don't want to advertise. We are not even glad people listen to us. They should listen to him. That's why I said I don't like this thing. For 12 years, we were a voice. Now we became a face. You know, because face has its own, it does its own things to your flesh. One thing I like about the camera is that you look better than you actually look like. So that's what camera does. That's because of Roshan. <laughs> Roshan makes you look better. No? So what the thing is that if if the camera is in there, one day when these people actually meet you, they shouldn't say, Are you you looked like this? I didn't know, no. I mean then you will again feel bad in your flesh. So it's better. No? Huh? This image <laughs> What does the flesh do? It's an image protection program. Image protection program. But we have no image. We have no image. Go to Joshua chapter 4 and verse 14. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. Let me ask you this question. Did Joshua carry the ark? No. Did he stand in the middle of the river? No. The priests who stood, the people who crossed, and Joshua was exalted. We stand in the gap. 
People cross over. Yeshua is exalted. Yeshua is exalted. That's why we talk about we have no image protection program. You have only one image. It's the image of Christ. God exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. That should be our motto too. Lord, whatever I do, whatever we do, let Christ be exalted in the eyes of the entire world, Lord. Not us. We will stand. We don't want titles. Okay, great intercessor, great preacher, worship leader, prayer warrior. We don't want any of these titles. If any title we get, it should be from God. Dead men. Dead men. Dead women who stand in the river of death. The river parts for them so others can cross over. Others can cross over. And when people cross over onto the other side, strongholds come down. Principalities and powers and rulers are trampled upon. You enter into the rest of the Lord. On the other side, not on this side. These are spiritual principles. Strongholds come down. Prostitutes are saved. Okay? If you go down in the sin level, in the Jewish, the last one, lowest category is prostitutes and tax collector. They get saved. Rehab gets saved. The unsavable get saved. Because the resurrection power rests on you. Strongholds come down. You put your feet on the necks of kings. You trample upon snakes and scorpions. You know what happens in the enemy's kingdom? 5-1. When you cross over and the resurrection power comes upon you. It was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, meaning from one end to the other end, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, their heart melted. The devils and the demons' heart do not melt before all people. It melts before people who have crossed over. Their hearts melt. They know, you know what? You can't fight them. You can't fight them. Because the resurrection power of Christ rests upon them. They are not afraid to die. They don't love their lives even unto death. They will overcome us by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony because they do not love their lives Unto death. Why? They have crossed the river of death. They are already dead men walking. They will only exalt Jesus. They lift Jesus up. Are we getting the picture? The message? Somebody who is hearing today. Anywhere. Anywhere. Even here. No, It's not a one time thing. It's a daily thing. The flesh does not go to... It will pretend to die. That is why it has to be put to death daily. I die daily. It is not, Paul does not say in his his letter that God killed me daily. No, God won't kill you. You have to die. You have to die daily. You have to die daily. And that's what River Jordan is. River Jordan. And let us, as we close, in the midst of serving God, Okay, you have crossed over, you are serving God, you are working in enlarging his kingdom, you are working in allowing people to cross over, and then you lose it. You lose your zeal, you lose your, you know, it happens. Elijah was depressed, wasn't he? 
John the Baptist was depressed, right? Paul said, I even despaired of death. Well, I mean, I mean, be very realistic. Absolutely realistic. Peter wanted to quit. These are all people, right? We don't know, we don't make them supermen. Even Jesus wanted to quit in Gethsemane. He's pleading with his father, take this cup away from me. Okay, so as long as you are in this body, you will go through it. You could lose. But if you have lost it in Jordan, if you have lost it in Jordan, it doesn't matter what you have lost, how long you have lost, how far you have lost. It is because of that river of death. In Second Kings chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. This is lost when he was at the work of the Lord. Okay. What did he lose? His accent. Lose your accent, your work is over. Your efficiency is gone. Your utility is gone. Accent is gone, you're gone. You're gone. And where did he lose it? In Jordan. And the man of God said, where did it fall? Where did it fall? He showed him the place. That's where it fell. So what did he do? He cut a stick. What is that? The cross. And he threw it there. I like KJV. And the iron did swim. That is resurrection power. The iron did swim. The iron did swim. Okay. He threw it. And what happened? The iron floated. Can the iron float? The iron did swim. Can iron swim? Can iron? We know it doesn't work like that. It's impo- it's, a, it's a suspension of natural laws. Iron does not float. It sinks. But when you have applied the cross, when you die to yourself, when the resurrection power comes, iron swims. And what did he say? Take it up. Continue your work. Take it up. Continue your work. Reach out and take it. And he put out his hand and he took it. Okay? So people who have crossed over, it does not mean you will not go through situations. When you go through the situations and when you lose it, because this river shows no mercy. This is a merciful river. It wants to swallow anybody and everybody it can get. You cannot cross it in a boat. You cannot build a bridge, bridge over it. That is fasting, prayer, all kinds of things we do to cross this river. It will work with other rivers. With this river, it does not work. The only way you can cross this river, only dead men cross this river. This river parts only for dead people. And then when you are laboring for the Lord, you will lose. And you know what? Go back to the cross. Go back to the cross. And you know what? The resurrection power will cause everything that you have lost is in river to swim. Reach out and take it. Continue your work. Continue so that people can cross over. People can cross over. That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom works. There's no other way. Every other ministry is on the other side. Where Reuben, God and Manasa live. It's on the other side. And we are not called to live on other side. And what happens? When destruction comes, they are the first to go. 
They are first to compromise. They are first to adjust with the system. They are the first to go along with the flow. On this side, you don't go with the flow. You don't go with the flow. People who have crossed River Jordan endure till the end. So the call of God today is to die. Is Sammy, what's the title? Wanted? Dead men and women. Okay, let's add our sisters also. Ani, come. I want to pray. Let's pray. Come. Come here. We'll close. We learned these lessons. Friday we looked at can I become nothing? Saturday we looked at what what are you expecting? Today we are looking, are you dead? You see, all the messages are related. They are not accidents. Because you are living in, as Dickens says, best of times and the worst of times. The worst of times, the church sees this as the best of times. You look in the people in the Bible, their worst day turned out to be the best day because that caused them to die to themselves. And the resurrection power of Christ came. Come, let's pray. We pray? Yeah. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. This is not a one-time thing. No, it's not. It's a daily thing, Lord. Yes, we could die today and the river part for us. We experience the resurrection power of Christ. And we see you do great things through us. The name of Jesus is lifted up and exalted. But when we wake up tomorrow, we see the flesh is as alive as before. Jesus. Man, we are depressed like Elijah. Jesus. We just Jesus. say, Lord, all I want to do is quit. Jesus. And you are patient with us. You are kind yes, with Lord. us. And you give us power to die again. Yes, my God. All these days we asked you for power to live. But today we are asking you for power to die. Yes. So that you can love, Lord. That your power would come upon us. Your power would come upon us. The resurrection power of God would rest upon your people, Lord. There are so many people listening. And there is this incredible call of God upon their lives. They are not just called, they are chosen. But they are so strong in their flesh. And God is speaking to you today. And calling you. And telling you. Only dead men cross over. Jordan parts for no man. No man or woman who's living in the flesh. Living in the self. Jordan parts only for dead men and women. Who are dead to self. Dead to their name. Dead to their reputation. Dead to their dreams. Dead to their plans. Dead. Alive unto God. Alive to God. For his plans. For his will. For his purpose. And will only work in his power. So that all the glory may be his. And his alone. Dead men are not worried whether they are exalted or defamed. Whether people talk good about them or bad about them. Whether you are complimented or abused. Whether you abound or abase. Jesus. They know one thing. Jesus. Christ is all and in all. 
Yes, he is. And that Christ can do all things through yes, me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That in all things Christ should have preeminence. Preeminence, my God. That if I lift up Christ, he will oh, draw all men towards him and not towards me. Yes, 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 Lord. Oh, Father. Point to the cross. I pray an Elisha generation will arise. Yes, my God. A generation that is worthy of the mantle of Elijah. A generation who saw the water spot and the chariots take their mentor. A generation who will say, take the mantle of Elijah and call upon the God of Elijah. Jesus. 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 Who are willing to be known as people who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Jesus. Who will go where they are sent. Who will do what they are told. As you told Jeremiah. Don't say you are a youth. You will go where I tell you. You will say what I tell you to speak. Only dead men can do that. Jeremiah walked like a dead man in that land. Kings hated him. Courts abhorred him. Dry wells waited for him. But he said, your word is shut like fire in my bones. I have to speak it. He was a dead man walking. God in this hour needs a few dead men and women. Touch, Lord. Touch today. Touch today, Lord. Touch. Touch, Lord. We have no glory in this. We have no fame in this. We have no honor in this. All honor, all glory, all power is thine and thine alone, O Lord. None of us ever will be able to say or will say, my hand has done this. O Father, it has to be your hand or your hand alone, O God. Or let it not be, Father. Let our ministries fail. Let our churches shut down. It has to be yours and yours alone. Yours and yours alone. This is not about us. This is about you. We are not building our kingdom. You are building your kingdom through us. The vessel has no glory. The earthen pot has no glory. It is a treasure that is within. Our hope is not in our works. Our hope is in Christ. He is the hope of our glory. Oh, Father, touch, deliver people from that prison of self. Yes. Yes, my God. From that pit called flesh. Release people, Lord. Deliver, Lord. Deliver. That we may know the power of your resurrection. That resurrection power may rest upon us. Oh, Father, touch. 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 Let that resurrection power come upon dead men and women today, Lord. Oh, Father, that the others can cross over. That they will stand till the very end. Yes. Whatever happens, yes, yes, the yes. crowds are crossing. Yes, my God. The dust is billowing. Head to toe, they're covered in dust. But the hands will not come down. The hands are weary. The shoulders ache. But they cannot stop. Because when they look, the crowds are still coming. The men are still coming. 
The old and the infirm are still coming. The lame are coming. The weak are coming. They are crossing over. They are crossing over. Yes, our hands are tired. Our legs ache. Our shoulders ache. But we cannot put this ark down. We cannot. Because the waters will close. And the people will perish. We can't cross over to the safe side. Then the waters will close and the others will die. Give us that power, Lord, to stand. That faith that endures till the end. Yes, Lord. Yes. We see with our own eyes people dying in this land. Jesus. Without hope. Jesus. Oh, Father, raise up men and women, Lord, who will stand day and night in their prayer closets. Praying, praying, praying. Yes, Lord. Yes. Men who will stand, yes, speak Lord. the word without fear or favor. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, we need intercessors. We do, we do. And we need preachers. We do. How will they hear? Otherwise, Lord. We need both. Two categories of people. Preachers and intercessors. So that the people can cross over. Touch, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray the spirit of grace and supplication will fall upon the house of Israel. It will fall upon your people now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Touch, Lord. Touch. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Yes, Lord, let it fall upon your people today, Father. Oh, we believe, my God. Let it fall on us first, my God. Let it start here, my God. With us, my God. Fall upon us, my God. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us right now. Help us, my God, to die to self, my God. Oh, Father, let us be a dead man, dead woman, my God. Let us die, my God. Deny ourselves. Pick up our cross and follow you every day, every day, my God. It's a daily walk. It's a daily exercise, my God. Forgive us when we fail, my God. Forgive us. Forgive us, my God. When the flesh takes over, my God, forgive us, my God. But we thank you. You chasten those that you love, my God. We thank you for chastening today, Father. We thank you. We thank you. You're chastening us, my God. Even now, conviction is taking place. Even now, my God, you're speaking to us. Even now, my God, we hear from you. Right now, right now, we hear you loud and clear, my God. We hear you loud and clear. You're speaking to us with a megaphone today, Father. It's loud and clear today. We have to die to self. We have to be dead men and women. My God, my God, we have to die in the Jordan, my God. We have to, we have to, my God. And I pray, my God, as we sang this morning, trust and obey. There is no other way. My God, there is no other way to be willing and obedient servants so we can eat the good of the land, my God. Teach us, my God, every day, my God. Thank you for conviction today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, my God. Thank you for convicting us. Thank you for chastening us. But I pray it just won't be today. I pray daily, as we heard, daily we we wake up in the morning, my God, and we'll say, okay, the flesh is dying. Today the flesh is dead. This morning the flesh is dead. We're dead. We're dead, my God. We die, my God, today. We die to self today. In the name of Jesus, help us, my God. Every day when we wake up, my God, to say, okay, today you're dead also. You're dead. You're dead today. I pray, Father, 
teach us. Let us be an everyday a daily workout in our spirit, a daily workout in our soul, a daily workout in our mind, my God. Pray without ceasing. Watch and pray, my God. Only then, my God, only then can you use us, my God, to draw men unto you, my God. Only then, my God, only then, my God. Touch. Oh, Father, teach us to touch. point to the cross. Yes. Touch today. To always point towards the cross, my God. Yes. Teach us, my God. Let the wise man not, oh Lord, not glory in himself today. In the name of Jesus, my God. Oh, Father. Oh, Thank Father. You, oh, Father. You, you deserve the glory. You deserve the, the honor. honor. You deserve the praise, my God. We cannot take it from you, my God. And I pray today you touch. Touch every brother, every sister today, hearing the word, my God. Have heard the word. Oh, Lord, I pray. I pray, Father, that we, Lord, will digest it right now in our spirit. We will accept it. We will receive it with love. Because, Lord, you chasten those you love. And you love us. Help us. Help us. As many as are led by the Spirit are called the sons and daughters of the living God. And I pray today, we, Lord, we, Lord, will be led, my God. We, Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for the word. It will not come back void. It will accomplish what it was sent out to do. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. Just like the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than ours. Something that you spoke today, Father. You said, will we endure? Will we endure? We will endure. Oh, give us that gift to endure. To endure. Patience. Let patience have a perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Long suffering. Long suffering today, Father. Teach us, my God. Teach us. As we heard today, even when they were standing in that water, raising up the ark, my God. They looked up. They looked up. They looked up. And Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we, Lord, will learn to endure. I thank you as we hear this message over and over. Let, oh Lord, let it take root in our spirit man today. And Father, let us walk in endurance and patience and long suffering with a meek, quiet and gentle spirit. Teach us. Teach us, my God. We need to hear, my God. We need to know. We need to know what it is to please you day in and day out, my God. Forgive us. Forgive us when we fail. But teach us, my God. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Lead us and guide us into paths of righteousness for thy name's sake. We truly want to be men and women that can be used by you in this generation, my God. In this generation, my God. We shall live and not die. And declare, and the, declare works the works of the, of the Lord. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Lord. Thank we you. Thank Father, you. at this time, Hallelujah. I pray your resurrection power will flow, yes, please, Lord. Lord please. Touch yes. the dear ones, Lord. Yes. Touch Mrs. Cherry and Father. Yes, my God. Dr. Swapnell. Oh, Dr. Swapnell. Thank you. 
Thank Judge right Sharon. Now. Yes, Lord. Thank oh, you right Father, now. that power Thank is you, still there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank it has Jesus. never waned. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Father, Thank let Lord. the resurrection power flow, Father, and touch your children, Lord. Touch your children, Lord. Pastor Samraj, Father. Touch, touch, touch your people, Touch your children, Lord. Touch, touch. Let them pick up their mat and they walk, Father. Oh, Father, the power to heal is there, Lord. Your word we heard yesterday, Lord. They came to hear and to be healed. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. And I pray faith will arise, O God. Faith will arise today now. Everywhere where your people are listening. Or somebody is listening on behalf of somebody is in the ICU. Faith will arise, O God, O Father. And they will receive their healing now, Lord. O Father, no one shall die. None who is hearing will die. They shall live. And declare the works of the Lord. For there is power. Resurrection power. Available for those who believe. Thank you. Thank you Lord. I commit all the pregnant moms. Oh Lord. Tabby Lord. Tabitha is the first to go this month. And Lord Sabagya. Appu Father. And Kirti. And all the others we do not know about. Devi Father. Commit them all into thy hands. And I pray and I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Like death, there is a river that is flowing, this pandemic, Father. But all our sisters, our dear children, Lord, the mothers and the babies will come through it untouched, unharmed, O Lord. O Father, for God will make a way for them through this. They will come through it untouched, the babies unharmed. And we believe, we believe for them, Lord. And all our people in our churches, I bring them under the covering of the blood of Jesus. All those who are tuned to us and to our ministry, Father, I pray the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over them. Put a wall of fire around them and protect them, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Let everyone take heart and make sure their call and their election. And one day God will make a rich entrance for into heaven. And we will hear from his own lips, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. That's all we want to hear, Lord. That's all we want to hear. It doesn't matter what we go here on earth. We just want to hear that in heaven one day from your lips, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. And we once again together we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen. Amen.